millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello everyone and welcome to another victory edition of the Rotor Report podcast. It's Gav again. I know you heard us on Saturday... You're going to hear us again during the week. Deal with it. Connor Bromley's fault. That's all I'm leaving it at. Uh, today, uh, I'm joined by two of Rotor Report's finest. I've got Sam with us. Sam, how are you, mate? I'm good. Um, second time talking about this, but it's nice because we're born, so who cares? <laughs> yeah, and Craig, how are you, mate? Very good. It's Very great good. to be talking about back-to-back wins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody listening at home will be fully aware that Sunderland on Saturday won 1-0 against promotion rivals Peterborough United. Uh, Grant Ledbetter scored a, a fine penalty from the spot and today we're going to analyse the game in more detail than we did on Saturday and yeah, uh, I'll probably not say as much because you've already heard from me uh, but yeah, we'll get on to the team first uh, the starting eleven, Sam didn't really cause any much of a stir when, when the team came out I think although Charlie White starting up front uh, raised a few eyebrows what did you make of the team when you saw it? before you, you know, discount what you saw during the game when you saw that team at 2 o'clock on Saturday what did you think? I think bar Charlie White coming in, it was it was pretty unsurprising. I think it would have been very hard, harsh not to start Gooch after Oxford. He, he deserved his place. But I think in terms of the striker, it's three games now and we've played all three different strikers. So whether or not Parkinson's given them all a fair crack at it or what he perceives to be a fair crack or whether he's playing who he thinks is going to suit the defence we're playing against. But who knows? But... No, I didn't have many problems with the team. Um, I know he was alluding to power not being fit during the week, so Scowan came in and Ledbetter was great against Oxford, so it was good to see him keep his place as well. Yeah. Craig, the, the two that came in were Scowan and Wyke. What did you make of how they played? Do you think they keep their place next week? I think for the moment with the the issue with our strikers is until somebody really lays down a marker the likelihood is, is that we're probably going to see this rotating system um, and nobody really has took that chance as of yes. I know that we were, say, spoiled for choice the other week, scoring a couple of goals uh, with Danny Graham and, and Charlie White again at Staston Villa under-23s, but they, they weren't real, uh, weren't really a challenge that you would perhaps expect uh, to come up against every single week. So as nobody has really you know laid down that marker as of yet, I do expect that this will be a position where it's it's anybody's to stake, it's anybody's to lay a claim at now. Um, and with the likelihood of Benji Kimbioka signing a deal as well, it's it's just going to add another body in there. Josh Scowan, um, a little bit disappointed with, in truth. Um, I think we've all been championing, seeing him a little bit more in recent months um, because the reality was we didn't really get to see too much of him pre-COVID. Um, he'd done okay. I mean, he certainly wasn't anything to write home majorly about. Set pieces were... A little bit underwhelming, but 
I think with Max Power potentially being fit, you would anticipate that the captain will return to the side pretty much effective immediate. So I think that's just the nature of the side at the moment, in truth, because we do have an okay depth in, in a variety of positions. Now, you know, if you miss your opportunity, I think you're going to be out of the team pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, the defence uh, once again kept a clean sheet. Probably the only man in that defence whose position is under question is Tom Flanagan, and he probably had, for me, his best game in a Sunderland shirt, or very close to it anyways, Sam. I mean, what did you make of Flanagan, and, and in particular the defence on Saturday, of course, keeping a clean sheet against a good team who first 10, 15 minutes came flying at us? Um, it, it, it's, some, it's probably the biggest positive to take from the game for me. Oh yeah, definitely. And against a team like Peterborough with Clark Harris and Dembele with Clark Harris being ultimately probably if not the best striker in League One, to keep him it'd be relatively comfortably, to be honest. I didn't I thought they did really well. I think what we're seeing with Flanagan is he's playing for his place, he's fighting for it. He knows one bad performance and uh Jamal G comes in. I'm butchering that like I was trying not to say it, but um <laughs> no, I think he knows that um he's knocking on the door and fans want to see him. So it's good to see from Flanagan. I think this whole thing about us having a bigger squad this season, we're gonna see players like Flanagan fight for the place and play the heart out and that's what's good to see and hopefully I'm hoping that's what pushes one or if not all of our strikers on as well yeah to be honest the biggest plus other than Flanagan in that whole defensive performance for me Craig was probably the two fullbacks um Luke 09 doesn't really pull up any trees for me in the in the final third but I thought his final ball was a lot better um this week and Denver Hume just for me <clears throat> I, I mean I gave him man the match in the player ratings pod on Saturday um but there's just something different about the, the, the way he's defending. I don't know. He, he does seem to... Whoever's advising him seems to be drumming well into him because he's flying into tackles where he, I would never say his defensive ability was, was anything to write home about even even at the end of last season, the last time we saw the team play. Um, what what did you make of that? I guess is the, the full-backs in, in particular. What, what, what did you make of their performance? Well, just touching on Hume, I thought Phil Parkinson nailed that at full time when he basically said that he'd gone into lockdown basically as a boy and he's come out a man. Yeah. And I know yeah. there has been so many kind of uh, like critics really just scathing comments about his delivery. Um, I, I mean, he's one of those players and I think always with local lads as well, I, I think they do always draw a little bit more, say, unnecessary criticism. Um, but perhaps it's just one of those things that come with, obviously, uh, being the local player, if you like. But I, I thought it was absolutely brilliant um, on Saturday. I thought it was great against Oxford, but there was um, there was so much improvement again, um, so much that obviously he's found himself in the team of the week um, with the, the League One thing that's done the rounds on Twitter earlier. But you're right, he just... It's now looking more full-blooded. He's not afraid to get stuck in. His delivery is certainly improving. He's getting into a lot of dangerous positions. And one thing I was really pleased about is, is just how much trouble he was actually causing a pretty settled Peterborough back line. Um, and he's just not afraid of anything. Maybe that just comes with his age, um, just being a young lad, that he's not, say, afraid to make mistakes. And and if he does, obviously, say, run into any danger, you know, he doesn't hesitate to, to get stuck in again time and time again. So... I really would um, echo what what everybody's been saying out in the press. I know Phil Smith obviously wrote um, a piece about him over the weekend. But yeah, I'd long may it continue. I, I sincerely hope that with Denver Hume that it does um, obviously say lay to rest his doubters because they, he's, he's had an awful lot of criticism. But it's it's worth remembering, despite him being a young lad, that this is only, say, you know, two and a half full seasons of, of professional football now. Um, 
so yeah, long may it continue. I think the the next important thing for Sunderland, of course, is is ensuring that we you know tie down his future and obviously prevent anybody from coming in and and taking him. But it wouldn't surprise me to see him uh, certainly play at a higher level. Hopefully with Sunderland. Yeah, just to talk more roundly about the defence, Sam. Uh, another clean sheet, obviously, as we've mentioned. Uh, just how important is that going to be going to the end of the season, particularly when we're not. You can see that in the way we're playing, can't you? With the, with the attack. We're not going to score many goals. As long as Parkinson's here, as long as we're playing this system, don't think we're going to score many goals. Just how important is it that we defend like we did? Yeah, I think it's massive. What we're seeing is, people might not like it, but if like we see, if it gets us promoted, then who cares? But we are set up now to not get beat, realistically. Specifically, not to concede. And when you don't concede, you're going to see games like yesterday where I'd say arguably we weren't the better team. But if you're not going to concede, you're going to get that one chance, that one set piece and... That's what promotion pushes are about, winning 1-0 when you're not at your best. So I think when we compare it to the Jack Ross days, where maybe we played better football but we were more open, you saw all the 1-1s where we would batter a team, make it 1-0, and then the doubt would start to creep in at the end and we would get pushed back and then ultimately concede. Whereas now, we are solid defensively from the beginning, so the confidence is there. The only thing I would say with the yeah. defence, and I think it'll come, I think he's a good keeper, I just think he needs a bit more confidence, is... If there is one negative, his Burge might look a bit shaky. But I think the fact that I'm seeing that highlights just how good the defence is, to be honest, considering we didn't even concede a goal. I think we're just more resilient. Just at the moment, we look more resilient. We're, we're more organised. And I think, obviously, what speaks volumes, really, in terms of this this settled back line now is, is Bailey Rice. I think it's, what, nine full appearances that he's had with us, and it's been six or seven clean sheets. I mean, at the moment, you would... You would pretty much fancy our chances of going into any game and, and, and coming out with a clean sheet. Um, I mean, we famously are a side, especially at this level, where teams look to to throw set pieces at us, they the, the try to unnerve us, they try to, to really kind of get under our skin somewhat. But it doesn't look like we're going to be buckling under that sort of pressure again this season. And I know, of course, it was only a few weeks ago against Bristol Rovers where we had a calamitous couple of minutes, but sides are really going to have to take said opportunities because at the moment it just does not look like we're under any sort of immediate pressure and with that settled back line um if it is the case that we're gonna gonna continue with them and we're not seeing chopping and changing bodies then that's that's obviously going to be a major strength they're going to get that confidence between the three of them they're going to ensure of course that they tighten up any mistakes and any errors but even though peter perhaps has you know maybe the lion share of better chances over the course of the weekend I never really thought that we were in danger. Not not once, actually. No, I, I was just going to get onto that, actually, because I saw um, quite, a, quite a lot of praise for Dembele, who played up front for Peter Brown, fr- from our fans in particular. And if I'm honest, didn't really impress me, although he did have a couple of nice moments where he turned. Uh, Willis was one of them. Um, it's just I don't think he really bothered us that much, which is, to be fair, to the credit of our defence again, because going into the game... Yeah. Everybody will have heard the conversation with Darren McCantney and he spoke up Dembele. He said he's going to be a real player for them this season. And you can see why he's got raw attributes, which a lot of teams don't have in their attack. But for me, I don't know whether it was because he maybe had an off day or whether it was just the fact we defended so well, but I don't feel as though he troubled us overly. And I felt the way that, and credit to Parkinson actually, the way we set up suited playing against a team with a fast centre forward because we just sat deeper. Yeah. And Ledbetter sat on top of them, and and you know it kind of shut out any hope they had of getting him behind us, which is probably where he's at his most devastating. Yeah, I think just touching on Dembele, you you can see he's for a young lad, he's quite intelligent, and he, he was somewhat of. Well, uh, you, say, you say a young lad, he's twenty four. I thought he was older than that. 
Is he, is he 24? Really? Thought he was young. <laughs> yeah, 24 year old. I, somebody mentioned this on Saturday. He's 24 year old. I thought he was like 18, 19. Yeah, so did I. Still. Maybe he's just hitting his stride a bit later than everyone else. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, we're, we're, we're just ancient in comparison to him, but yeah, I think he was, he was really energetic. <laughs> he was a bit of a live wire. Um, and like there was times where he was, he was dropping into space and it didn't look like we could, say, get near him. There was there was a few times where you thought, right, he might create or carve something out here. But I think credit to Phil Parkinson and obviously credit to the side. We were cottoned onto that very early. Um, that Peterborough basically just wanted to play straight through the middle of us. And, and exactly as you've said, we shut it down straight away. Um, just obviously touching on what you said about Ledbetter. Again, excellent performance from him. Very experienced. Um, even though you've got somebody um, in Dembele who can basically run rings around him just primarily because he's got the legs, just didn't really trouble Ledbetter once he um, once he got going. So I was, I was over the moon with that. And... I think obviously it is starting to speak volumes that we're playing a fancy side like Peterborough. We played a fancy side like Oxford United, and we're coming out of it again. You're looking at them and you're thinking, if if that's our competition, then do you know do we really have anything to worry about? I I I don't think there was too much to to fear really from them. Um, granted, I know we we didn't create overly too much, but there's a lot of people saying we're not playing great football, which. Okay, fair enough, that may be the case. But if it's the case that we're, say, a striker away or maybe another attacking body away from from turning us into the finished product, then if we do hit top form, you know, we're, we're going to start putting teams away very, very quickly. Yeah, uh, quite literally moving forward then, Sam, we're talking about Charlie White up front uh, in a bit more detail now. Um, I, To be honest, I think he played poorly. Um, That's being nice. I think on the player rating show, he got a one. <laughs> um. I get. I wrote down some. I I actually took notes for the game because of the player ratings pod. Um, and at half time, I was thinking of reasons to give Charlie White anything over a zero. He just done nothing right. Um, second half, I think the only thing he did right was he got a shot away when he when the ball played in behind him, and then he won a free kick on the edge of the box. But again, it was more of the same. Um, what do we do? What do we do with Charlie White? What do we do up front? Because Parkinson is. He's nailed the defence. I think we can probably pretty much unanimously yeah. agree. Defensively, Sunland are spot on right now. But you can't ignore the fact there's like this big gaping hole up front. And when we aren't creating enough chances for forwards, but the strikers don't even create their own chances. There's just nothing going into the box. It's that that is gotta be the main worry going forward, hasn't it? No, I think I think you're right. Um and it speaks volumes that we're now three games in, we've played three different strikers, and I can't think of any of them having a a good opportunity to be honest not not even the case of not taking the chances um, and not, they don't help themselves but we've got to look at three games now and no chances for our forwards and it's got to be system we play so hmm. the thing with White is and it's it's sadly a typical Charlie White performance where you're just left scratching your head thinking what, what does he do to get on that pitch um, is it something we're not seeing is he is he mouth enough to the defenders putting them off who knows but <laughs> I, I just think with the pre-season Greg had if we're not going to create many chances for our strikers, this is my opinion, if, see, a striker's going to get one or two chances every couple of games, I'd rather have faulted Will Grigg than Charlie White. Sorry to butt in, Sam, but that's what I was thinking. I think it was the, was it the Oxford game when, I know it might have been Bristol Rovers, when the ball fell twice to O'Brien, I think it was Oxford, and he that flipped them both. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was O'Brien. And I was, I, and I was saying the same. I was thinking, yeah, I mean, I'm not Will Grigg's biggest fan, but you want them falling to him, don't you? Yeah, I just you, you could justify it if, say, Wyke was terrific at holding the ball up and he used his stature because you'd think, well, he offers more than goals and if he's going to bring players into play like 
Gucci Maguire, then fair enough. But the fact he doesn't do anything off the ball, surely you want your best finisher on the pitch. But mm. uh, I think it's just Parkinson's way. I do feel a bit sorry for Greg because I think he had a great pre-season and he didn't do much against Bristol Rovers, but we didn't create anything from. And the fact he hasn't featured in the last two games for me is a bit worrying because it rings alarm bells of when Parkinson came in and basically froze him out. Yeah, I just get the opinion that Parkinson doesn't rate him and sort of had to play him against Bristol Rovers because of his pre-season. And now he's not done anything, he's thinking, well, I don't have to play him now. But hopefully I'm wrong and we'll see Greg again. But it is a problem going forward. But if we're keeping clean sheets, then hopefully we'll just nick it one or two nil every time like we have been. Yeah. Uh, Craig, when, when Parkinson spoke after the game, he talked up Charlie White's performance. He talked about how he was chasing down defenders and... Yeah, that was important to the way we were going to play. What do you reckon of what he had to say? I don't know if you actually heard it yourself, but Wyke's contributions being critical to how we're playing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't want I don't want to do too much disservice to to any of the lads at the moment. Obviously, I appreciate they've had an extensive kind of break away from football, but I'm just going to read something out to you here. Right, this is basically our our shot shots on goal so far for for the league games this season. So Bristol Rovers, we had 25 shots on goal. We had three from Will Grigg and Charlie Wyke, so three total. Oxford, 18 shots, none from Danny Graham or Charlie Wyke. Peterborough, nine shots, one from Charlie Wyke and Danny Graham. So combined, one shot on goal from our strikers. I think the major issue that we've had over the course of the three games so far is it still looks like our strikers are like immensely isolated at times. We've probably got to do a little bit more to bring them in. That being said... I did not see that from Charlie Wyke on Saturday and there was a real, real good chance in, um, at one stage. I'm pretty certain that it was Scowan who looked to put the ball in. Really, really good delivery from him. Um, and Charlie Wyke, he's, he's just got to use his body, get past his man and, and just try and get anything under it, get a flick under it. But it just didn't look like he had won the appetite to do it. Um, or second of all, like the now, like maybe he wasn't prepared, he wasn't aware, but... I think in terms of the strikers, it does often look like they're just a bunch of strangers to the rest of the team. And I suppose it must be a bit disheartening for them because they've all got track records of scoring elsewhere and quite clearly it hasn't worked at Sunderland. But for some kind of obscene reason, we have got somebody like Will Grigg who's got a pretty good pedigree. Obviously, we've invested an awful lot of money in. So you think at some point he has to get a run in the team because Charlie White, with all due respect to him, you know, you hear great things that he's a good lad around the dressing room, so on, so on. But... He does seem to get rewarded an awful lot for, you know, some really, really kind of poor performances. You can't imagine that, say, going away to Charlton on the weekend, that he's going to look at, say, replacing Will Grigg um, over over Charlie Wyke. It's it's likely to be Charlie Wyke. It's likely to be Danny Graham, one of the two, you know, because they talk about holding the ball up. And I don't know. I just don't see that side from from Charlie Wyke, quite honestly. I, I know his contract's due to run out, I think, at the end of the season. And you can't imagine that another deal will be forthcoming for him. It just... It hasn't worked out, and I think obviously for where we're aiming to be, he's, he's just not he's just not good enough for us. Um, so ideally, if we can perhaps get another body in, but I think it's it's time that Parkinson perhaps does realise that what we all can see, he he should not be our number one striker. And quite honestly, whether he's just trying to defend him in the press, that's fair enough. But I think from time to time, obviously, he's going to have to have that. Um, I suppose that that realization that um, if if you want to kind of win games in this league that you're going to have to obviously use your strongest lineup. And I think he's a bit of a hindrance at the moment because although, like I said, Peterborough didn't cause us too many problems, 
going to go away to a lot of other difficult teams this year and the likelihood is is that we're going to concede some goals so we've got to try and start backing ourselves to at least maybe go and win a game by two or three um, just to ensure that we've got that security. There was a chart actually that went around after the game don't know if you saw it I think it was posted in our chat and I maybe retweeted it on Twitter but there was a chart showing the, the various pass maps of the players from the game um, and then there was one which is which was all of the passes completed by Sunderland and not completed by Sunderland over the 90 and you can quite clearly see the way we play just from looking at that every pass goes wide nothing goes through the middle um, there could be a force field around the 18 yard box really by looking at that chart not, there was I think it was five passes I counted um, played into the 18 yard box in the 90 minutes uh, what do we do Sam like how do you how do you what do you choose if you're Phil Parkinson you've sorted the defense out we're winning games we're keeping clean sheets but your strikers aren't scoring goals you're relying on moments of brilliance you're relying on keeping clean sheets basically what do you what do you do to 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 change our fortunes in front of goal and I'm not saying that it, I say fortunes rather facetiously but you know um we are scoring goals we're just maybe not doing it in the fashion that no, Most yeah. promoted teams generally would. Well, when I saw the first game of the season, I actually thought he was trying to do something about it by putting Maguire almost in the number 10 role. I thought that was his way of trying to get passes through the middle because towards the end of last season, you know, once we went on that great run of playing the, uh, the three or five at the back, we sort of got a bit figured out. And all we were doing was going side to side, side to side. And we were crying out for someone to pick it up in the pocket. And I thought that's what he was trying to do with Maguire. But it, like you said, it seems to be the same this season where we're just trying to stretch teams and I was listening to O9's podcast in the week uh, with the club and he was sort of hinting that what they're really working on is getting the ball to Hume and getting him to whip crosses in and O9 at the back post so I don't think it's a coincidence that we're playing it out wide I think that's how Parkinson wants us to play but I would agree that sometimes you need a plan B I mean we saw against Bristol Rovers not everything goes to plan I mean that was that was completely out of the blue what happened and unlucky but when they're going to then sit behind the ball, passing it side to side doesn't work. So yeah, I, I do think we need to change it. Like you said, I don't know how, but I also think Parkinson doesn't want to change it because I think that's the way he wants to play and he, in his eyes it's working and I suppose it has, but only time will tell, to be honest. Mm. There was a there was a comment last year, Craig, from Will Griggs' brother on Twitter where he, he said that he felt the strikers in Phil Parkinson's Sunderland team were simply a decoy for... For the for the inside forwards to get in into goal scoring positions certainly seems to be the case, doesn't it? That's maybe why Charlie White starts up front the majority of the time because Parky likes a big man just to be in there being a distraction for the central defenders. But I mean, how far is that going to get us this season? It's a I suppose it's a pretty reasonable comment from them in fairness because yeah. if you look over the course of the past couple of seasons, um, say excluding Josh Madger that everything has pretty much come from midfield you know it's one of those where you don't really want to be too sort of like kind of downbeat or negative about it but it is it's a major issue and what you are relying on is is Chris Maguire you're relying on Lyndon Gooch to be on top form all the time and players of that caliber obviously are going to be you know the ones who are going to be going to be marked there the ones that they're going to obviously under immense amount of pressure when you're when you're playing against teams who are obviously going to begin to do all uh, the homework on us so yeah you're perhaps hoping that O'Brien begins to chip in a little bit more but yeah I, I think I think realistically speaking Sam's kind of mentioned there about you know maybe having no plan B or anything like that and I think fair enough okay that we are grinding out results at the moment that's absolutely fine long may that continue but we got sussed out um at the end of that pretty good run at the back end of last season 
And we've just got to ensure that that, that doesn't happen again here. Um, I mean, like I said, obviously we've beat two promotion rivals uh, so far, obviously with a very, very difficult game to come next week. So I think we need to ensure that um, if games aren't going to plan that, that we do have a variety of options that we can mix it up. And we've got to start trying to get the best out of the strikers. We've got to play to their strength. So, I mean, whilst obviously Will Griggs brothers made that comment, you know, you've got to start looking at it and thinking, right, well, you don't want to sign a, a £4 million player just to be a decoy, especially one who's got a pedigree like Will Grigg, who can score potentially 20 goals in this division. You've got to look at playing to his strengths. You've got to look to get him more involved. You've got to look at, say, trying to take the burden off Maguire and Gooch and somebody else and, and making sure we can share that load because Chris Maguire went off injured the other day. So if you look at that now... You've only got Lyndon Gooch as your primary goal scorer, and then you've got so-called three decoys in your team. It's it's not going to go well if that's if that's the plan. So, like I said, obviously it's great that we are grinding out results, but we we need to make sure that we've got some sort of alternative plan going forward. Yeah, we didn't talk much about the midfield, so we'll get onto that next. Uh, Scowen came in for for Max Power, and to be honest, quiet for the most part, and. We, you know, I laughed at Parkinson's comment about him being sort of the, the the backup right of a three midfielder behind Maguire. But to be fair, when Maguire went off and Scowen moved wider, he got on the ball more. He was putting crosses into the box. Um, he he sort of stepped up to the plate. You know, Chris Maguire goes off the pitch, and the rest of the team sort of look around at each other and think, "Oh, hang on, who who's gonna?" who's going to be the one getting on the ball all the time and trying to create chances. And to be fair to Scowen, he tried his best. Um, but is it enough to keep him in the team next week, Sam, do you think? It's a tricky one because I think Craig mentioned it at the start. We've all been asking for Scowen to come in. I was, I was a bit, not too disappointed, but I think he's better than what he produced on Saturday. I think he just missed the ball a few times, didn't he? There was one, I remember, we sort of pulled a battle him in a good position just inside the box and he just completely missed the ball. Yeah, yeah. But his his set pieces are quite good and I was very confused to see him sort of go into that advanced role whilst Lyndon Goose sort of played centre midfield. But I think he's there just because of his delivery, sort of almost like Seb Larson, just no nonsense, get the ball in the box, which I could see working. But I think if Power's fit next week, he'll come straight back in due to him being captain, obviously. But I don't know how much power and Ledbetter would work together. But I don't think you can drop Ledbetter because of how he's been playing. Obviously, match winner and arguably not quite man of the match, but he's been the top three players for the last two games. So I think Ledbetter's got to keep his place as well. Yeah, we'll move on to Ledbetter, actually, Craig. He, um, he scored the penalty, obviously. But for me, there was there was a that first 10-15 minutes when we were under pressure, um, he... I think Dembele got the better of him a couple of times and left him for dust. But after that, he worked him out and he he was really important to how we defended. There was there was one moment actually where Dembele was about to pull the trigger and Ledbetter just nips in and wins the ball. It's a it's a goal saving tackle. Like and 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 he doesn't get enough credit for stuff like that for me. Yeah, I think he's been absolutely vital so far. And to be fair, he's probably a candidate early doors for for basically player of the month for us. He's um. You know what you're going to get with him. And yeah, you're right. Obviously, there is going to be a few instances where the younger lads are perhaps going to get around him a little bit quicker. That's just, you know, father time catches up with everybody, I'm afraid. But I tell you what, if you could pick up his brain and put it into, say, like Max Power's body, um, he's, he is a very, very intelligent player, Grand Ledbetter. And the way he reads the game, his distribution's still good. He's he's going to play a massive part for us this season, I would expect. And that is something I don't think many people might have imagined if we kind of flash back a couple of weeks where people were saying he'll be a bit part player. Obviously, he had the armband took off him. Um, 
and that may have run to early suggestions that we're not going to have a lot to do with him in terms of even being in the squad but I think if he continues this run of form then he's going to be absolutely crucial for us and obviously with a difficult away game coming up um, you're going to need somebody in there you're going to need somebody to keep it calm keep it keep it cool um, so whilst I do agree with Sam about whether we could have him in power in the same midfield I think that's where you perhaps would still have somebody like Scowin in um, you know somebody who can kind of come in dig the ball out and basically take it out of danger where you've got Ledbetter who's there as your last line of defence and you've got power who can help as well with um, with obviously getting the ball away just like Scowin could but I think at the present moment, you know, it's it's kind of spoilt for riches in centre midfield. One thing I would say is just kind of stepping away from Ledbetter as I can't see George Dobson getting his place anytime soon when um, when his suspension's over with. At least that's what I would expect based on so far. But yeah, Ledbetter's been excellent so far. Um, And like I said, obviously to, to get the reward he did when he steps up and takes a penalty. I mean, Christ, if you look at the ones he took down the years at Middlesbrough, you just knew as soon as um, as soon as he stepped up, he was going to score, and it was it was a yeah. lovely moment as well that he um, when he ran over the side of the pitch. Really, really good player. Happy with um, with his contribution, and you know what? If this is to be his final season, then let's hope obviously he gets his rewards and and hopefully gets us out of this league. Yeah, let's talk about the penalty then, since we've touched on it. Do you think it was a penalty, Sam? I've seen it back a few times and I still can't work it out. I, I do, yeah. Maybe a bit biased, but I've spoken to a lot of people who said it, it wasn't. So um, maybe that is just me with me Sutherland red and white tinted glasses on. But you never, you don't get that penalty if you haven't got someone like Hume who's willing to take risks. And I think it it just it it I know we touched on him earlier, but it highlighted how far he's came, Hume. Because I remember my first podcast was uh, the second game of the season last year, Ipswich away, and I believe he got took off at half time, and he just looked he looked lost. He looked like would rabbit in the headlights. He looked he looked shocking really, and you think that's only a year year gone. He looks like a totally different player, and like I say, he's Bar Gooch. He's the only player that when he's got the ball, you're thinking something can happen other than just a cross in the box. I know he's got a, he he gets his crosses away, but there's only him like I say him and Gucci I see winning that penalty so when you're going to keep it tight at the back you need risk takers and I think Humes came a long way and he's he's probably one of the first names on the team sheet if not the first one now and that's not just because we don't have another left back that's because of his performances yeah it's a little bit to do with the fact he's our only left back I think it's just the time. <laughs> <laughs> um what about you Craig did you think it was a penalty yeah um yeah. And again maybe that's just the red and white blinkers but I think You've got every right, first and foremost, to go down if you know somebody is going to have a swipe at the leg. I'll be honest, I think if there was fans in the ground, I'm not convinced we would have got it. Certainly not last season. The way it tends to work is we all always have a referee at the stadium who wants to say, you know, make a name for themselves and be the, the villain of the show, if you like. But um, no, I think it was it was certainly well-deserved. Like I said, on the, the balance of how many we've had given against us, it's about time that we get one like that. And just touching on Hume again, obviously... If you're getting in and around those areas, run at defenders, put them on the back foot, actually try and cut, like bring the foul out of them, try and get something like that, especially when you've got a bit of pace, because from time to time, Sunderland over, for God knows how many years we could see now, slow and build up, slow and dillying and dallying around the area, you know, looking for options, rather than say, you know, kind of fart about and lump a ball in, which say White or somebody else might not get on the end of, just literally run at your man, try and bring something out of them and... You know, if you if you get fouled, obviously great. If we get a penalty as a result, but yeah, I th- I think it was an absolute stonewaller. I know there was a lot of people kicking off. I know Darren Ferguson kicked off, but 
I think if the shoe was on the other foot um, and Peterborough got that, they would, they would have been happy with the decision. Yeah, Benno wasn't happy about that, was he? The uh, the slow play, you've just touched on it there. <laughs> I, think, I think he just banged on about it for 90 minutes, but um, he was right, to be fair. Like, we we yeah, didn't pass the ball too slowly at times. I, I, I said this during the game. I think that's maybe one thing we don't see when Max Powers in the team, and then when he comes out the team, you, it, it sticks out like a sore thumb. Powers, one of the players who, when he gets the ball, he drives the team forward, and he might not... To be fair, I don't think he's particularly great, but um, when it comes to tempo, Max Powers won the ones trying to get the ball moving quickly, and I think that's maybe where we missed him. Uh, I don't know about you, Sam, but do you, do you do you see that's maybe why Power comes straight back into this team because Charlton for Charlton have lots of problems, and we will get on to talking about Charlton, but they have lots of problems. But one thing they don't have problems is in midfield. They have loads of midfielders, and we have to be we have to control the game really. Yeah, I think touching on what we were saying earlier, I think we might see both Power and Led bit of due to that I don't know if, yeah. um, whether he'll saw Scowin in as well and we we'll change the formation a bit but I think he'll want as much as as much experience as he can uh, particularly in the middle of the pitch but no touching on power I do agree I don't think he's he's, he's not the best player we've ever had he's not going to set the league alight but he's good at his job and a lot of his job is things you don't really see or notice particularly off the ball but then like you said on the ball he, he, he does always look forward and he's the one midfielder that it might look simple or play that 5-10 yard pass forward into space to the likes of Maguire so I think I think it's without question that if he's fit he comes straight back into the team sometimes not because of his ability I think he is a good captain I know there was a lot of query about his choice to be captain but I think you see players look to him particularly I know Dobson wasn't great before his suspension but I think someone like Dobson needs a power next to him so I think he's he, I think he's vital for this team and I know a lot of people disagree but I, I like power I think he's good at his job and we do miss him like you said when he's out the team yeah let's talk a little bit about Peter Brethren because we haven't really spoke much about them other than talking a little bit about Dembele Craig, do you feel like they'll be contenders after what you saw? I mean, or is it going to be is it a case of more overhyping by the media? Because every year we, we we go through this little spell of with, with Peterborough, don't we? The start of the season, everybody tips them to get promoted, and then they never seem to just be good enough. But they did end last season well, and um, yeah, they've signed a couple of good players. But I don't know. Did you say enough from them? Um, based on that performance, not a lot. But I think in terms of if you look at some of the results, a lot of the fancy teams are getting beat. There's been a few unsurprising results. Um, but I mean, Peterborough are always there or thereabouts. I think to their credit, they did look slightly inventive in the first half. Um, Dembele and Smodic played quite well together, I think. But one thing I thought was somewhat surprising really is um, is when the, the pendulum swung, if you like, and we took the initiative, they, they just really lost a lot of composure. Um, they lost a lot of the shape. And to be fair, there was a period for a good 15 minutes or so in the second half where you thought there's a goal coming from us here. And under that amount of pressure, they, they, they seem to struggle an awful lot. So whilst I think they'll they'll certainly be up there, I would say that we're a better side than them based on, on that performance. I know obviously they had you know a few more chances than us, but you can have as many chances as you want. If you're not going to take them, then then so be it. Um, I know obviously they, they rallied late into the second half, but again, like I said, there was... There was maybe the the odd one chance where they came close. Grand Ledbetter cleared one off the line, I think, from from Lewis Reed. But beyond that, I mean, there really weren't anything to write home about. And I think the fact that we've just come through that and we've just beat Oxford as well, there's a lot of teams in the league going to start to look at us and think all of a sudden, actually, Sunderland is starting to look the real deal again. So yeah, I I think they're going to be there or thereabouts around the playoffs. I don't think they're good enough for automatic promotion. But of course, it's early days. I mean, Christ, Lincoln have won all three games so far this season. So <laughs> who knows? It's a long way to go just yet. 
let, let's actually move on to that, Lincoln, because they beat Charlton on Sunday, uh, who, of course, we play at the weekend. I don't, did you catch the highlights, Sam, or not? Did you see, did you see Charlton? Uh, no, I didn't see the highlights. I, I, I've read reviews on them, and I know they, yeah. uh, just, they've got a few injuries, and they're, they're not sure on their starting eleven and stuff, aren't they? Yeah, basically, I mean, I, I did see the highlights from their game, and they, they, they could probably feel a little aggrieved to have went behind. They started really well, just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. Then there was a pretty dodgy decision, which led to the first goal, which kind of capitulated from then, and the, the concept conceded another but Lincoln like Craig said have started really well so it's a hard one to judge Charlton on um I, I spoke and people will hear this later in the week but I spoke to um the guy who covers Charlton for the local newspaper and he's pretty confident that Charlton will bring some players in this week but it's a case of are they going to be up to match fitness uh, is everything just going to click in a big game against Sunderland um so we have to take advantage of think Craig don't you of the fact that they're just in limbo at the minute they've they've got a new owner this week They've signed a couple of players, but even the team that played Lincoln at the weekend, I mean, they had a kid on loan from Norwich playing centre-half with a, a lad who's been signed to be backup, really. Um, and then at full-back, they've got a 17-year-old kid. Yeah, we you have to think, if we're going to start the season as well as we can, we've got to beat Charlton regardless of how good some of their players are, right? Oh, I would say so. And I think yeah. what hopefully should come into the minds of a lot of our players who were here for the you know the days of the playoff final, that should still be in the back of um, in the back of their minds, thinking that we owe them one. Hmm. It's a little bit of history repeating itself in terms of this time last year when we went down to Bolton and they had had a bit of a shitty start, and then lo and behold, they bring in like thirteen players in a week, and <laughs> you know we we struggle to get a result. So I'm I'm hoping that of course we can avoid that sort of situation. But yeah, when I was going through their team, I was thinking, Christ Almighty, they're the the not certainly as good as they were maybe a year or two. I think losing Lyle Taylor, of course, is obviously going to be um going to be a big big problem for them going forward. I think it's Connor Washington up front. So yeah, you're banking on people now to try and score the best part twenty five thirty goals. Um, I expect it to be a very tight game. I think of course that they are going to come at us. I know that it's going to be fan free uh, as always, but I think with them being the home sides, I think the impotence is on them now to to try and obviously come out and um and lay their market down because. They've had a, a couple of really bad results and I think if they, they were to get a result against us then that's going to put them back in the picture early doors for, for who's maybe the favourites but I think we've got to go down there we've got to ensure that we'll keep it tight at the back and just got to take the game to them we've got to, we've got to look at their lineup. we've got to look at ours and think you know what player for player at present we're better than them but it does have all the hallmarks of uh, like I said that Bolton fixture last year maybe with Johnny Williams coming on and tearing us a new one but hmm. yeah I think if we um, if we come through that with three points then then all of a sudden we are you know going to be really reaffirming why why people have made us favourites but it's going to be a difficult game yeah yeah before the season started Sam you would have took seven points from nine going into this game but I mean when you're looking at it two points a game generally guarantees promotion yeah you've got to win this again haven't we yeah we've got to like Craig said there we've got to be ruthless and take the opportunities of luck that might come our way and if Charlton are still in limbo we've got to just we've got to blow them out the water and think we've got lucky to play them now let's take the chance like I was going to say when, when Craig said about the Bolton game I remember going down there and on the way down, I mean, teams were smashing them 6-0 every week. And I was talking to a Bolton fan in the pub and he was saying he would take a 3-0 defeat. And then we'll scrape <laughs> a draw because they've signed 40 players and half of them were excellent. So we need to start taking chances when they're given to us because we've we've been unlucky in the past. So I think I think we've got to go there to win. I think we will. I, I, I think it'll be a similar performance. I, don't, I think we'll set up not to concede maybe a ball in the first half like we've seen 
I think, everyone this season. And then regroup at half-time and hopefully it's similar to Oxford where it looks like Parkinson and the players sit down at half-time and say, do you know what, these are nowhere near as good as we thought they were going to be. Let's just tear the game to them and win. And I think I think we might do... I think we might do it again. So that would be a great, great start to the season. Yeah, they, they've actually, like I said earlier on the show, for, for all of the, they, they do have problems, their midfield for, for League One is pretty good. I mean, the kid Doughty on the wings, the one that most championship teams are trying to sign right now. Um, Darren Prattley, very experienced player. Oz Tuma, somebody who was linked with Sunderland, what, two years ago, but decent record at League One level. And then on the bench at the weekend, they had Johnny Williams, who we know all about. Hasn't scored a goal yet since he went back uh, to Charlton, but... Yet. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I've said it now, haven't I? Oh, you've um, done it now. <laughs> Jake Forster-Kasky, somebody who's been around forever, another decent player. Ben Watson, who um, I would say is too good for League One. He was a standout player last year for Forest, and he's only dropped down a league because he wanted to be further south, I think. So you've got to think, with a week's training in him, Watson will play. We have to maybe match them up in midfield, you'd think, Craig, or... You know, with particularly with um, Maguire's injury, if he if he doesn't play or he's maybe not fully fit, do we then look to play Power Scowen and Ledbetter to try and match them up a bit? Yeah, I'd personally go for the three of them um, to start the game. I know obviously that there's been the comments about where Scowen can play. Predominantly, he's supposed to be a box to box midfielder, but if we can get maybe a couple of positions out of him in that game where he can drift out wide and chip in and and obviously come in and help with a little bit of the legwork in midfield, then that's probably where this game's going to be won and. I kind of felt obviously that was the the major the major point on Saturday as well by you know kind of ensuring that Smodic and, and Dembele don't cause you you any problems then then essentially that kind of really won us the game in the end because that allowed us to get forward so I'm hoping for something similar and again it's just it's just about exploiting this opportunity because it's quite few and far between when we get uh, to come up against teams in turmoil and really take advantage and I I think like I said if we can come away with three points from this one then. That that's a really really good start the season. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm confident of at least a draw. Um. But I, realistically, I think we've got to look at these games now, and and we've got to start really kind of laying down that marker, stop pussyfooting around, and just say like, look, you know, if we want to get out of this league, this is somewhere where we're going to have to go and win a game. We started quite bright down there under Jack Ross a few years ago. Then all of a sudden, we just kind of went went into our shells and. What you want to see is them start to brim with that bit of confidence like we did at Oxford. You go 1-0 up, you get the game, and then you start to grow into it a little bit more. So if we can maybe mirror that performance, then I'll be over the moon. But yeah, I think pack that midfield. Make sure that we are, whoever's up front is going to get that service, that we can at least just drop it on the foot if it's Will Grigg or, or play it at the strengths of Graham or Charlie White inevitably when he gets the nod. We've just got to make sure that everybody does the job. I don't think we can have a performance less than 7 out of 10 this weekend. Yeah, I think that's a nice place to round things off, lads. So thank you very much for joining us today. Please remember, everyone, to subscribe if you enjoyed it. And if, even if you didn't, just do it. Because, you know, why not? Um, and make sure that you join us back here for the Player Rating Show at the weekend. And, of course, the extra pod where you'll be able to hear me again. So if you hate my voice, then just don't bother this week because you, it's all you're going to hear. Uh, <laughs> cheers, Sam. Thanks for joining us, mate. And, Craig, no pleasure. all the best. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And, uh, of course, catch us down the road.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.